really great that you could come into into the call with us. You've been raised up in a liberal Nordic country. Why don't we start off by just discussing a little bit the dating market over there? Uh, what's sure. the dating and sexual scene like? Well, to be a very bad interviewee, I've been out of the dating market for for the past four years. <laughs> so my view on the dating market might be a bit dated, but um, the last time I checked, it was quite active, but I'm sure it has been affected by, well, the pandemic as is everything else in this world. People are a bit more disconnected from each other, but I'm not sure what's the scene online, but People are using a lot of apps here in Finland. Tinder must be the most popular, but uh, I think Grindr is is very LGBTQ uh, friendly and most popular within the sexual minorities here in Finland. But um, yeah, Tinder is probably the most popular popular dating app, and I think a lot of a lot of people use that under maybe 50 years old and a bit more mature people use some online sites. And I think that has helped the dating scene here in Finland in the recent years, shifting the dating scene into the sort of technological online world. I think that's, that has helped Finns to date more. And I think that's a good thing because I feel the sort of, Initiative is really hard for for Finnish people uh, to ask ask people out, and obviously the apps have alleviated that. Mm. So, what's the what's the challenge with uh, taking initiative? Well, that's that's a tough question, but I think that people are so reserved. I think the sort of thought about dating it should be like uh, people have this tendency to think think that it should be really natural. But starting a small talk in Finland is really unnatural. In, in the Finnish culture, it's the small talk or talking about, quote, uh, unquote, uh, nonsensical, boring things or unimportant things with strangers is really, really unnatural. And I, I feel that people might be turned off by that and thinking too much to themselves about what to say how to approach and, and sort of overanalyze. And you don't see that many confident people <laughs> just uh, starting conversations with strangers. Maybe that has changed a little bit, but at least in the past, it was really, you know, it has been really awkward. But I think that, you know, when you have online profiles and and the sort of culture within that online dating world is so different from the normal social situations then it's you know it's it's very allowed to start even if it's awkward <laughs> it's just someone someone needs to start the conversation so i think that's if you click like on someone's profile then you've already given the message that you're interested in in that person and that is sort of maybe the most difficult threshold in in the real world to say to someone mm-hmm. so there's like a, a sign of mutual interest uh, right away yeah you sort of skip that step in the online world you don't have to sort of think that okay i'm being put vulnerable here and i might get hurt if i say say that hey i find you attractive but what if he or she uh you know, rejects me and doesn't find me attractive. You know, you don't have to think about that in the online. Well, you have to think about that, but it's very clear. The messages are clear and you don't have to face the consequences. Maybe that's that's sort of the the easiest part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe something that I, I think some of our more international listeners might be, might be very interested in. So you said that you're in, in Finland. Yeah. It kind of has a reputation of being uh, super liberal, at least on the global right. scale of things. Yeah. So how does that liberal way of life play itself in, in the dating world? Uh, how do you think your dating scene looks different from, let's say, a more traditional society? 
Well, I think that what international, your listeners, international listeners are thinking about Finland being liberal means probably that um, it's, it's fine, culturally appropriate to talk about your sexuality um, and to approach different people in different sort of sexual or romantic you know settings it's 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 permitted and it's okay to talk about it and you don't have to sort of hide it and maybe the uh, liberal um, qualities of Finland kind of applies to sexual minorities as well and I think that they can be a bit more freely here and date uh, openly and but I have to have to also mention that when I'm living in Finland and I'm talking about these liberal qualities, I'm talking about from my perspective and my perspective is from Helsinki, which is the capital of Finland. And that means that sort of the uh, most modern and most liberal social groups kind of live around me. And so I'm in a social bubble in that sense, even though I'm surrounded by maybe, well, give or take a million people here in around Helsinki still there's more than four million people living in the rest of the country and although they are not um, I shouldn't say that they they are living on the countryside but obviously the mm, values the liberal values and and the equality for example is probably most uh, advanced here in Helsinki but given that in Finland maybe the liberal uh, quality kind of means that no matter who you are, you can still date. It's okay. <laughs> and and mm-hmm. it's, you probably can find someone else, even though it's a small country and, and we don't have that many people here. I think it's okay for you to search whoever you want to search. Okay. So it's okay to be yourself. Basically. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Even though the the sort of undercultures of, of the dating world and the, for example, if you have s- specific sexual pre- preferences, then obviously when we have, you know, a lot less people than other, co- other countries, then the social groups are a bit smaller. So you don't have that many people, <laughs> you know, overall. But mm-hmm. I think you can still find those groups here in Finland if you know how to look. Since we're talking about uh, being yourself and uh, meeting people who are like-minded, uh, it, it does kind mm. of uh, bring forward uh, the question of equality, yeah. and me- meeting on equal terms. So how is that play- being played out in dating? Equality. Well, I think that is something that has a lot of variance here in Finland as well as anywhere in the world. I mean, maybe maybe the first thing that comes to mind is gender equality, which is probably more advanced here in Finland than in a lot of different places. Which means that, you know, um, it's not... And again, I must say that uh, I'm talking out of the perspective of this liberal Helsinki area. But still, uh, I find that it's culturally uh, appropriate to sort of assume that you don't have to be based on your gender, maybe the one who makes initiative. Women are, for example, are, I think, pretty equal to men in that For example, if you're talking about Tinder, then making initiatives probably falls upon more on the uh, on the male side of things. But I don't think that that's sort of the rule uh, of the Tinder game. And I think that equality means also that both of your, um, if we're talking about two people, then both of them needs could be met i don't know how any clearer i can uh how clear i am about this but um but yeah i think that equality sort of means the same thing that uh, i talked about the liberal uh side of things that 
no matter who you are, you are you do have the right to have your needs met and to find that person you you feel attracted to. Maybe that's maybe that's a, a, at least the goal. I'm not sure if that's you know that comes comes to fruition in in real life. Okay, so it, it might not always be accomplished, or it's it's not like everyone lives in this equal euphoria. But uh... no, 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 no. And I, I I think that you know I've I've um, had my female friends' phones, and that when we checked together their Tinder profiles, and I checked what kind of messages they received from guys then you know it's it wasn't it wasn't very similar to what i received when i was on tinder and you know i think that's pretty much anywhere you go and i think that that has maybe a well you know equality is really the goal and and uh, and we like to think ourselves as really equal but i think that 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 is sort of a kind of the jungle the the dating scene that you know well i think i think guys actually do make more initiatives in that yeah maybe that's yeah maybe that's true and this is going to be a disappointing uh thought for anyone who thought that uh, like me yeah that's the the, <laughs> the image that i had at least when hearing from friends who have been to to finland mm. or, or, or scandinavian countries in general to be to be honest uh, we had this you know this image of especially if you go out that the uh, the women w- who are the ones who make the the initiative and um, it's probably the case in some or in comparison to some other places maybe it's more the case but uh, uh, now what i what i get from what you're saying is that it's not this you know it's not as as uh, clear as we we thought well yeah but that i i think i feel that well a word of comfort because that <laughs> that also uh, that always depends on what you compare right what you compare because i'm i'm comparing with my uh my values that are well quite liberal and quite maybe i think that i thrive to achieve the equality and obviously i focus on the things that are not quite there yet but that doesn't mean that when i leave finland and i go abroad and i i and i see how equality is built around world then i always feel good <laughs> coming home because you yeah. know it's it, you know that always depends on what you compare it with and i i compare it with my experiences but if you were to come to finland and compare your your uh experiences to the ones you get here i i feel that we'd have very different thoughts about that and one thing just one thing that i was very curious about is uh from your own experience do you do you see uh, some clear differences between how dating works in the virtual world so tinder and all the dating apps and in the real world in a sense when you go out and you know in different settings in parties or uh maybe at school when you were at the university or this kind of settings where usually people meet meet up and where dating happens do you see a difference between you know the virtual and the real world in in finland once again yes i do and i think that depends on a lot of factors for example like an age group i think that people who were not grown up uh, with with this online dating world and who were brought up in a world where you actually had to go talk to someone or mm. you know approach them in real life and you had to ask them out i think those people can still do it <laughs> <laughs> and i think that that might be the preferred way but i think that for a lot of shy people or people who struggled with that sort of dating scene in in social um, situations in real life I think the online dating apps or sites are you know a bless it's it's really a blessing because for a lot of people it's really so much easier to be a bit more brave a bit braver and and sort of a bit more bold online and you you can be a, a bit more straightforward than you 
dare to be in real life. I think that because you, well, I don't know what's, what's the actual reason why it's so much, maybe because you're kind of anonymous, even though it's your picture mm -hmm. and even though it's your messages, but you still have sort of always the way out. <laughs> you can always, always click X or whatever and you have the way out but in real life you have to face the co social consequences of your actions and and also the rejection you have to show your face if you get rejected and so i think that online dating is a blessing for a lot of those kind of people yeah for sure mm -hmm. but uh, but i i feel that the best way personally <laughs> that i've experienced to sort of make that first initiative is actually if I already know the person I'm going to ask out. It's always been really weird for me to ask strangers out because that means that I'm really attracted to their, to their looks, which is fine. But then again, you know, maybe that's a different kind of dating than when you're actually maybe searching for someone you could partner up <laughs> and so you know if, if you want to start a relationship then obviously it's it's so much nicer if you don't have that pressure mm -hmm. of of the romantic cloud over your heads you don't have to think about the romantic sides of things but you can can get to know each other maybe as work friends or friends uh in your whatever wherever you study or in your hobbies or whatever or through mutual friends that's always that's always a great way <laughs> yeah yeah to, to, to give a perspective on on two countries at least that i know very well which are uh, morocco and france i think it's i think it's the same in in most places at least that i've been because the the fact that you're dating or initiating contact with someone that you know through france or through work etc there's this sort of social validation that has already happened so they know you're probably not a creep, you know, mm. not a crazy guy. So exactly, and you also come with, you know, certain credentials. In a sense, it's very weird to to talk about it in this in this terms. But you know, the fact that you know people in in common makes you less of a threat compared to someone who's just approaching them in the street or in some other public area. So I think we're all generally very sensitive to to this, and we would rather meet people that we that have already been validated somehow. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think the, the, the takeaway here is that um, in countries like Finland, once it's time to move forward and be like, hey, I see you, you see me, uh, it seems like it's pretty fair game in terms of uh, it can either be the woman or the man who then takes that step, takes that risk to be rejected. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I, I think also has happened to you in the past that women have sure. approached you and uh, said, yeah. "Hey, you know, I like you," and sometimes not maybe even in the best ways possible. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it's it's so weird that uh, when I sort of um, entered a certain age and entered the dating world and sort of had that experience of the opposite sex approaching me and I, I was so confused maybe that was because of personal uh, development and, and uh, confidence and whatever but it was also because of the uh, image I had in my head was really traditional uh, that a man has to ask a woman out and that has to be in a very old-fashioned way and I'm in an age in an age where I'm uh, you know I didn't have that. We didn't have that online dating possibility when I was growing up. So that's not how I used to look at the world. <laughs> and that's sort of a more modern development. And that's why, you know, my values or images when I entered the dating world were a lot different than they are now. And so, you know, I was really confused about that when I got some attention, even though it was very welcome, I probably contend a <laughs> Okay. Well, you mentioned earlier on that uh, one of the, the good things about living in a more equal society, I don't want to say fully equal because I don't believe that it's mm -hmm. quite been accomplished, um, yes. is that both parties 
tend to come into this relationship with the expectation that their needs will be met. Yeah. So uh, what do you mean by needs specifically? I think we all have our very individual and very biological tendencies to need, crave something sexually and romantically. And some for some people, it's whatever, bondage or someone likes reading books while masturbating who knows but you know it's uh, it's very individual and i think that because of the culture that we have nowadays is is more allowing for that uh maybe not very traditional missionary style um kid oriented uh love making then you know it's it's more allowed to sort of talk about that but i don't think that talking about sex is still that easy for a lot of people And I think even though as liberal as Finland may seem, I think a lot of couples here struggle talking about sex and having their sexual or romantic needs met because they can't or don't dare to communicate that. And, you know, that's always individual of what they are afraid of talking about. Uh And why do you guys think that's that's the case? If you have any... Because from the outside, this this seems very surprising to me. Uh, maybe I have this cliche image of, as you said in the beginning, that you guys can, in Finland at least, can talk about sex very openly. And I'm always curious to know if there is any mm. historical or maybe religious or cultural influences in general that make sex something that's quite difficult to um, to discuss, even with your you know your own partner. Yeah, I think there is a lot of factors in that. I think also depends on so many factors like where you live and how old you are and what kind of influences you've had previously. And there's a lot of psychological factors that affect that. But I think that there is a lot of expectations that are not met. And you fear the disappointment of not having those met. And also I think it's, such a delicate matter sexuality and such a thing that even though we are sort of this quote-unquote liberal country there's still a lot of traditional values that are underlying that culture and i i feel that most people are brought up without you know their parents talking about sex or having very colorful sex education And maybe that's just a problem, you know, an issue with with a bit more mature people and, and maybe the younger people have it better. But but that's at least my gut feeling. And this is feedback I've received from friends I know. And, you know, always talking about sex and at least the sexual dissatisfaction is kind of a taboo. It's really hard to talk about that. And maybe that's also because of the expectation that when you find your significant other, um, and this is all, of course, talking about couples who have this form of uh, closed relationship when there's just two people and they want to keep it that way. But there are obviously a lot more types of relationships where you don't have to sort of have those every type of need met in your own relationship you can have maybe different sexual partners but still stay in that relationship and keep that intimate side to you but i think that the expectation that your spouse have to has to be perfect in every way and when you meet someone and you have romantic feelings and maybe even marry them then the sex has to be awesome you know that has to be incredible And and I feel that people make that mistake of being disappointed when it's not great. When you have that first year, maybe, and you it's all fine and dandy, and and you're trying to impress each other. But you know, when it comes more routine, and and your sort of the spark kind of maybe fades away, and you would have to work on your sex life, then I think that people just automatically feel that okay the spark is gone and now it's just it's every saturday night at 6 p.m from here to the grave 
but you know, I th I think that it's it, it has a lot to do with expectations. Mm -hmm. And it's quite interesting that you mentioned expectations because I I do think that we we all go into a sexual encounter with with a lot of uh, hopes and wishes and, and as you mentioned, expectations. Sure. Um, but do you think it's really about only about the expectations towards the partner, as you said that we we want our partners to be perfect, or is it also um, expectations towards oneself? That is an excellent point. That is an excellent point, and I do agree wholeheartedly. And it's it's of course it's the sort of expectation what you give to your partner or, or your significant other and how you make them feel. And obviously you don't want to disappoint them with yourself. I, you know, nobody wants to be disappointed, but I think maybe for some of us, it's actually even worse to think that that person is not completely satisfied with me and my sexual performance or the way I do things. And, and what if, what if he or she doesn't like what I do or how, how my body is or, you know, whatever. And, and I do agree that it's a lot to do with, with what you expect from yourself. And obviously what sort of images we are used to seeing, like the, the models of men that uh, a lot of guys thrive towards, it's, it's, you know, these testosterone beasts that, we imagine are incredibly intelligent and funny and and also they have a great body and probably a, preferably a big penis and then they are absolutely amazing in bed you know they have you know they have every good quality there is but you know obviously the reality is very different and there's like an endless variety of different sexualities and and preferences and bodies and and whatever and and we are not sort of maybe accustomed to seeing that sort of imagery of of very very different sexualities i mean in social media and and everywhere in the media we see this sort of very uniform picture of sexuality at least in in straight couples yeah i had a follow-up to what you were just saying uh, before which uh, has to do with you know expectations of yourself etc and you know, if that's not too personal, right. of course, uh, what kind of expectations do you have for yourself around sex uh, as a, I'm assuming, a heterosexual man? Yes. So what kind of expectations I have towards myself? Well, you know, it's how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, every expectation in the book, I mean, I have to constantly... Uh, work on that you know maybe maybe that's a personality issue i mean of course it's a personality issue and also it's something to do with our culture and and also the equality issues that we talked about before or expectations towards uh different genders but um i do expect myself to be if you're talking about sexual performance then yeah i think that you know i i work on my body to be sort of appealing uh, to my partner, I want my body to be sort of at least closer to that imagery of of uh, the classic male idols or or whatever. If I work out, you know, I don't want to be too hairy in specific places. <laughs> and uh, you know, so yeah, I have expectations towards my body, and 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 obviously, if I feel that. Um, I don't look at myself as, or I don't feel as attractive as I could, then I reflect that expectations to my partner and I fear that they won't find me as attractive. And that's expectations I do have to, towards my appearances. But then, you know, when it comes to the sexual performance, I really do want my partner to feel that she uh, can just relax. So I want to make it feel as it's safe. The environment has to be safe. I don't want my partner to fear anything when we are that, in su you know, in such a delicate uh, 
uh, intimate moment uh, where we both are very vulnerable. So I, I want them to, I, I want my partner to feel safe and sort of, um, you know, whatever I can do to, to make that mood happen, I, I try to do. And also when I'm in a relationship that I am at the moment, you know, I want it to be romantic. I try to set the mood, you know, <laughs> uh, beforehand. So, it, you know, our sex just doesn't happen. It just, it's just not like, okay, it's five o'clock now. <laughs> it's more like it has to, uh, there's a lot more work. To That's that. quite difficult to do on a, on a daily basis though, I, I imagine, because, you know, there's... It's not on a daily basis, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on a daily basis let me make that very clear <laughs> no but it, but you know and when i have that sort of expectations of of myself being the one who makes it makes the mood happen even though there's two of us you know i i have that expectations towards myself and then when we get to bed i want her to be sort of relaxed and and she can just focus her, on her enjoyment and uh, her needs. And then I can do things to her that she feels great about and she doesn't have to think about me in that moment. And then, then I, uh, when we are having the intercourse, then I feel that even by then, I'm constantly sort of uh, checking out if how is she feeling and not trying to concentrate on both of our needs at the same time, which is some, sometimes, you know, it's a bit like juggling because <laughs> you can't, can't sort of hold one ball uh, at the same time or, or two balls in the same, same hand. <laughs> you know, you have to sort of... Are we still talking about like, of, <laughs> juggling balls? Yes, pun, pun <laughs> intended, yes. But uh, yeah, sort of uh, I had that expectation about myself to sort of make her enjoy herself and you know make the mood mood safe and and uh and relaxed mm, and fun yeah <laughs> great great that you added that but as a woman like uh, it, it sounds really wonderful you know I, I think that's something that that i personally love about uh, a sexual partner um that they they make it right. safe um but I did notice that you weren't talking too much about your own needs. So is it really about uh, right. giving, is the fact that you are giving pleasure and safety to someone fulfilling your own sexual needs? Am I translating that right? I'm well aware that, you know, there's a bunch of issues when it comes to sort of really, really, really thinking about the other person. Because, you know, it, it leaves a little bit less space for your own needs and also you sort of relieve the other person from their responsibility as an equal partner in the sex you know you, you don't expect that other person to uh, do everything that you're willing to do or at least in my case that's sort of the issue and sometimes it is at the cost of my own needs you know it, maybe that has something to do with chivalrous uh, ideal of a male performance or a man being like a knight and being the ultimate ultimate romantic uh, dream. I'm actually now more aware of my own needs than I, I have been before, but it's, it's still very difficult to talk about that. And when you have to confront the other person about uh, my needs were not met and I think I tried to make you feel really good and I don't think that you did that same thing to me you know that's that's the sort of most difficult conversation you can have and you always hope that uh, the other person will notice by themselves so you don't have to say anything you don't have to confront them and you just can have that other person do those things to you that you're sort of doing for them Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know we've talked about this over the years. Uh, you've had some sexual partners where you feel like you put in a lot of uh, man hours, let's say, you know. Uh, 
you could say that <laughs> exactly like uh, discovering the yeah health. and then then the time comes for you to receive uh, sexual pleasure and it just is shorter it's uh, less dedicated right uh, yeah can you are you comfortable sharing more about that yeah you're right I have been you know in situations where you sort of do all your fancy tricks and you kind of want uh, want to show off and you want to make the other person feel really nice and then you go like oh yeah now it's my turn <laughs> and then the other person just like does the bar minimum of what they could do and then it's off to the sort of mutual part of things and and maybe even at that and talking about intercourse <laughs> uh maybe even at that you know i feel that the responsibility is on my shoulders to do the things and giving orgasms or <laughs> for both of us is on my responsibility and that's you know that's all, all always a really unpleasant situation because obviously you don't feel as valuable as the other person or at least your needs are not as valuable feeling as as the other person's feeling mm-hmm. the equality is uh, is no not present yeah and sometimes you know it, it's also a technical issue because i love to give pleasure first when it comes to foreplay because maybe that you know it's always fun to have pleasure given to you and then go to the mutual the intercourse part of things and you know when you're talking about this very traditional uh, heterosexual uh, intercourse then it's usually the some form of foreplay and then it's intercourse and then it's orgasms hopefully and then it's you know cuddling that's the sort of traditional mm-hmm. pattern of things right and so i love to give pleasure first because then i get to get you know then it's my turn and after my turn we get to the mutual part which is always the greatest thing like skipping straight into that um but i you know i think that sometimes the problem is the technical issue that i love to give the pleasure first which makes my partner really excited and when they're really excited they want to also skip to that part uh-huh. you know the mutual part the intercourse part they don't they don't you know they don't want to waste any time more you know just like yeah it's on like me. Uh, they skip the blow job <laughs> yeah it's like i've like made uh made her sort of too excited or or made her want to skip my part and go right into the sex mm. So yeah, maybe maybe that's I, I I feel that that's sometimes technical issue, and then you know I ha- have to practice on being the first one to go, or you know having multiple turns, or you know trying something else, or yeah. And also, if if I can maybe share some some perspective on this, I think the the fact that people see this as a uh, almost like a mathematical uh, approach, you know, where you know if I go first, then you have to go mm. next and uh, there's a lot of calculation and i think it's it's it really inhibits the some of the pleasure that we can get from just a, you know um, spontaneous uh, exactly. you know sexual relationship you know especially with someone that you that you meet um, multiple times you know you, you don't have to at least from my perspective you don't have to come with a definite plan you know because i think mm. it puts some pressure on, on on you as i can feel you probably put uh, a lot of the pressure on your on yourself uh, right uh, which you know which can inhibit maybe even let's let's talk very crudely even on a physiological level i um i think this you know the sort of pressure that that you put on yourself can maybe reduce the pleasure that you get or um, even inhibit sometimes the the excitement that you can get from uh, from this sort of situations uh, i don't know what you think about that I I think you have a very valid point and I think that that's sort of maybe the issue with with uh, a lot of long-term relationships since you know when it comes to the busy life and you sort of have those routines and then you sort of to be fair a lot of couples that date for long you know the amount of sex you know the times they have sex maybe during week it, it goes down you know you don't have as much sex as before 
And so, you know, obviously the expectations that you have towards those times that you have sex are at, at least a little bit higher than before. And sort of, mm. you know, when you have a lot of sex, you can have a lot of different varieties of sex because I think that it's absolutely critical for relationships to have very different <laughs> kinds of sex. You don't have to do the same thing over and over again. And I would love the idea that sometimes we do this this way so that I just give you pleasure and you can just relax and you don't have to worry about a thing. And sometimes it's very mutual and we do things to each other and then we you know, enter the intercourse phase of the, of the, of the whole shebang. And then I would love to, to have those times when I'm the one receiving pleasure and the other person doing all the work and, you know, just a lot of different kinds of situations, because that's sort of the simulation of a relationship. It's, relationship in an aquarium because you know that's kind of how things work in a relationship if it's if it's a working relationship because sometimes i have to be there for you i have to help you if you're uh in the need of that and sometimes you are doing things for me when i'm you know i'm in the need of that and sometimes it's really mutual i mean that's how a lot of social interaction should work just you yeah. know just like sex yeah and have you tried the uh, have you tried talking about this with you know one of the partners that you that you had in the past maybe to sure. express the fact that you uh, you didn't feel things were mutual or that you felt that you took the the most pressure on this uh, you know, on this front sure sure i have i have and uh i think the uh problem with that is that because it's a difficult subject you sort of mm, create theories in your head and you sort of kind of incubate those emotions for you know too long of a time and then you kind of you know spout them out when you're when you're having a fight or something and which is always the kind of can be destructive or dismantling of what you've built and that's not the greatest way to talk about it. I think the best way to talk about sex is talk about it a lot, (laughs) you know, talk about it often and not just focus on the bad things or the things you want to develop, but also everything else. I mean, the good things and, and whatever you want and whatever you're really, really happy with, what you love about the other person and, and sort of that. So when you have the negative things as part of that whole conversation uh dimension then then you know it's not such a big part and then maybe you could lose that sort of fear that how the other person is going to react if i say that you know maybe you could go down on me more or you know maybe you could do this or maybe you could do that or i think that you know just talking about it more would make it easier to talk about it in the first place exactly and i i think what i'm really enjoying about talking to you today is that you're you're being really open about communicating about the male need to be sexually pampered you know that's that's basically what yeah. we're asking for is that look i want to have a spa day you know i i, I need to be taken care of today and, uh, oh, yeah. and that that's a human need I, I think it doesn't matter what your mm. what your gender is or isn't um but for some reason um, as a woman and uh, having spoken with a lot of other women it just doesn't seem to be on the agenda and I think it's probably because of historically uh, as women mm. uh, we've had a really hard time with sexual pleasure mm. not saying everyone but you know it's it's a topic that's uh, that society has taken up with force and right. uh, while I agree it's really important to work on on female needs and uh, mm. you know we, we still have a lot of ground to cover um, mm. sex is still usually um, something that you do with someone else so completely forgetting about that someone else is also not really a great way to achieve uh, equality and uh, companionship and partnership right exactly 
And I feel that, you know, I, I, the feel uh, or the need to feel connected and the need to feel intimacy and need to feel the safety. I think, you know, when you're talking about a country or a people that's thriving towards equality, then it also should include the male need for all those things, you know, the feeling of safety and, and the feeling of intimacy and, you know, feeling of connectedness. I think those are all always human needs and they don't, even though they might, you know, come out in different ways between genders, I think they still exist in everyone, those needs. And maybe that's also something to do with the physiological differences between uh, sexes. I think a lot of women tend to think that when a guy's penis is, is fully erect, then he's ready to go and he is willing and then it's time for the sex to happen, which is not always what the guy is thinking of or what the guy is you know, wanting or needing which could be, you know, a moment of, of connectedness or closeness or some stroking or petting or kissing or whatever. It doesn't mean that then right then, then and there you want to have the intercourse right away. So, yeah, this, this call, I think, has been very insightful in, in, in the sense that at least men or, or more specifically heterosexual men uh, in most societies, I can, I can say that it's it's the same or even worse in, in the countries that I know, uh, have a lot of trouble, you know, freely expressing their needs and talking about some of the pressure that they might have um, regarding their sexuality. So I think it's been a very, very valuable conversation to um, to have with you and, and really thank you for for being so, so open. And maybe I feel that we're, we've been a bit too... Uh, you know, dark for someone who's, who's listening. You know, uh, I want to I want to offer some some maybe a beam of, of hope and just some ideas. I'm not I'm not saying that we're gonna you know change worldwide uh, sexuality, but maybe some some ideas about how things can you know can move forward in a direction that work for for everyone. Yeah, absolutely, and I I feel that there is. <laughs> Uh, a lot of hope and I think the way things are developing in a lot of cultures are actually really good and um, I love the progress we are making in this subject and talking about it out loud within this podcast for example is a really really important thing to do and I have three points I have three things that I think that are essential for uh, achieving equality and having more safe and fulfilling sexual experiences for people. I have three things and one is know yourself. Uh, the first one is really important for every individual out there to sort of study themselves and, and very be being open to your own sexuality and doing that by yourself, you know, just you don't have to have another person to tell you what your sexuality is or what you should enjoy. And I think that giving time and giving energy towards that is a way to sort of achieve that knowledge of your own sexual needs, which is really important because you can't communicate your needs if you really don't know them. And so I, I feel that it's really important to give time to yourself. The other point is um, the culture that we are surrounded by needs to be open towards talking to about sex and especially uh, widening the imagery and the topics of sexual um, sexual subjects. Like when we talk about sex, we shouldn't always talk about the heterosexual sex or, or the traditional types of sex and, you know, try to assume that everyone is the same. I think we should talk about very much about the varieties of sex and, and how people can get pleasure in, in very different ways. And just like you do in this podcast, I think that it's really important to talk about uh, 
people's needs and how they are dealing with those needs and how they are dealing with problems with those needs. And the third thing is uh, when you have another person, then obviously you have things like consent and like the feeling of safety, which is really, really, really important. But then also you have the communication because we are only people and we can't be perfect at the get-go. We have to get perfect or closer to being perfect together. And that's the only way to get towards the perfection. And we, you know, even if you're thriving towards perfection, you should also be merciful to yourself and to other people for not being perfect. And I think that communication is the one and only key to achieving that and sort of achieving the sexual and romantic harmony uh, that you can um, that you can have between two or even more people. And so I think that communicating about those things, especially in relationships, at really early on is super important because then you know you don't grow those monsters too big and you can all, always have maybe a sense of humor about it you know it's not that it's not that serious and always remember that sex should be fun and sex should be beautiful and sex can be a lot of different things and sex is kind of one of the best things that you can do with another person and i think that if you think about these three things and and try to develop yourself and and allow other people to be imperfect too then i think we can achieve great things and maybe a little bit of more sexual freedom <laughs>